every kid is different. You know, their children are not fungible. You know, they're not interchangeable. You know, like you've probably got Nabisco in your pantry right now. It's it's possible to like the name Nabisco and never put it together that it's a contraction of National Biscuit Company. It's easy to get your first name job because all of the big naming agencies are so horny for the talent. Hey guys, I'm Young, a full-time dad and a full-time professional with the goal to become the best parent possible. The Girl Dad Show is my journey interviewing fellow working parents aspiring to be both good at work and parenting. I'm going to do this by gathering and sharing unfiltered perspectives from my guests. So join me as I research parenthood one interview at a time. This episode of The Girl Dad Show is brought to you by 212. Among the many things that I do, I'm also an angel investor. The two biggest mistakes I see founders make when they come to me for investments are one, they don't have a clean cap table, and two, they are unable to clearly articulate how my equity will dilute over future rounds, and more importantly, what my ROI will be when the company exits. It's very difficult for me to make my investment decisions without these data points. 212 solves this problem for both me and the founders. For $240 a year, 212 offers an incredibly powerful cap table management and valuation modeling platform. It is by far one of the most powerful productivity tools I've seen, and I highly recommend every founder sign up. Modeling convertible notes, safes, price rounds, pro rata, liquidation preferences, and exit events is a breeze on 212. Founders can then easily share all these complex calculations and what-if scenarios with investors and close their round much quicker. They're also giving my listeners 25% off their first year's membership costs if you use the discount code TGDS at checkout. And if you're a founder or investor, you should absolutely get on 212 as soon as possible. It's an absolute no-brainer. Dilution is real and complex. Cap table management is confusing and expensive. You need to get on 212 today. What's the point of building a successful company you don't own? Steve, welcome to the Girl Dad Show. Thank you for joining me today. Well, it's great to be here. I'm a girl dad as well. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and so so how old is your daughter? I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. How about you? My daughter turned two yesterday, and today she's 28. <laughs> That's fantastic. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. So she's a full-blown full adult. What is she doing? And so she was a video production mi major with a computer science minor. Oh, fantastic. She, she was with She Media, you know, right in Manhattan, and... Um, Boy, yeah. you think Silicon Valley is rough. My apologies. My kid in true Girl Dad Show fashion is joining the podcast for a brief second. Oh, <laughs> I apologize for that. Uh, but Steve, before we, I know we jumped right in, but I'd love to actually start by letting the listeners know what you do for a living. So I, I'm a namer. I, I name new products and new companies. And um, I know it's a weird thing to specialize in, but I've always uh, been able to write short. I got my start in newspaper, uh, Headlines on Deadlines and uh, moved into magazine and um, I became a magazine publisher in the Midwest and you know while I was looking at the books and and um, the three biggest checks that I wrote were to the publisher I mean to, to the post office to the printer and to my ad sales people so I learned how to sell ads and, um, and that got me transferred back here to uh, to the Bay Area so I repped a bunch of ad agencies at, you know from a new business standpoint and one of the things I noticed in the 90s was that nobody wanted to talk about advertising. They didn't even want to talk about marketing communications or anything. They wanted to talk about branding. And branding is 
the biggest part of branding is the naming. And, and so the, the game came back to me, coach. And so, you know, I went back and became an account executive at a naming, at a naming agency. Hold on. My little girl wants to say hi. She doesn't understand. She doesn't understand why I, I suddenly start talking. That's awesome. You, you have a girl dog as well, too. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you're yeah. a true girl dad. I love it. You have a yeah. girl do- daughter and a, a girl dog. Yes. This is Veronica. Veronica. Nice to meet you, Veronica. Yeah. So in, in 1995, I won a contest for uh, Name This Soda on the in, in one of the advertising uh, magazines. And... Um, and that led to a couple of other paid jobs. So I decided I was gonna I was gonna double down on naming. And so um, Andy Cunningham, our our mutual connection, she hired me as a uh, director of verbal branding for Cunningham Communication in the year 2000. And it was the worst timing of all because you might remember in 2000 we were mm-hmm. shitting kids, but in 2001. Ah, that was that 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 tech bubble burst. That mm-hmm. uh, I still can't get over the fact that this is what you do for a living. How does one get into the business of naming things? What a cool yeah. job! Super good question. It's easy to get your first name job because all of the big naming agencies are so horny for the talent, right? It's impossible to get your second name job if all the stuff on your list was average, right? So. Um, you know, full disclosure, I've done 841 name jobs. Wow. And I would also accept holy cow. And, and Holy cow. Wow. That's a lot of naming. Yeah. It, if I was just the new business guy at, a, at an agency and I sold 840 name jobs, I'd be the stud of the office, right? But, wow. Uh, I, yeah. So I, I've actually done all the account work for those jobs. I write all the creative briefs. I come up with all the names. Everybody gets 250, sometimes 300 names. I, I apologize in advance. I'm not a perfectionist, but I am obsessive compulsive. And, uh, and I got a lot of Steves up here. You know, er, earlier today, I was, uh, I was lifeguard Steve. So, so what's, really, what's really cool about this is that, to be honest with you, Steve, I've never even knew that this was a job. And yet a whole industry with agencies that specialized in this with account managers and people recruiting for it. Like, I actually didn't even know this was like a function before I met you. My ex-wife said the same thing. I said, I'm going to be a namer. And then she goes, a namer? Is that even a thing? That's right. And, you know, in the early days, I, I charged, you know, $2,500 for a name job. Then it was $3,750. Then I got it up to $5,000. And then it was $7,500. And then I was at $9,000. And now I charge $11,000 for a name job, which it's a mere fraction of what, you know, a big naming agency, the Landors or the Lexicons or, you yeah. know, the inner brands. They, you know, it's, it's six figures and up, you know, and yeah. just for the verbal branding part doesn't include the visual branding or, you know, any of the, um, you know, the, the other trade dress that goes with it. So I decided to f- just focus on the naming part. And at first, all I did was come up with the long list of names off of somebody else's brief. And the agency that I was doing it for um, would do the screening and, and have all the client interface. After seeing enough, uh, enough shitty creative briefs, I learned yeah. to write a better one. And even when agencies brought me the brief, I would I would use the thinking that I had done in my own brief, in the, and I learned how to screen the names for legal, and that was a really valuable addition in the in the bandwidth in terms of end to end, right? Yeah, yeah. 
So I, I got my start in sales. I, I sold ads for Time Magazine. And so I was able to do my own account work. I'm able to write my own creative brief. Of course, I come up with all the names. But now I'm able to do the legal pre-screen. So I get, to, I get that trademark leverage. Uh, and so I can run a much better verbal branding consultation during the, the list review. And that's the hardest part is agreeing the final name, you know, taking them from 300 names down to 30 names and then from 30 names down to their top three. And, and I do that in about three weeks. You know, um, it, it's, it would take you three weeks to get a, a meeting in the conference room at, at some of these other agencies. That's incredible. So, so then, like, so first off, like, can you share some of the names that you've named? Or is that something that um, you're NDA'd under? Or is there any names that you can share? So um, I named the Subaru Crosstrek. You know, that's the, um, that's the one that everybody's heard of. I think yeah. it's, it's been in production for like six or eight years. That's, it's kind of the over-under for namers. Well, have you named a car? You know, because they put yeah. my name on the, on the faceplate of, you know, what, what, what will be hundreds of thousands of vehicles. And yeah. so the, the agency then um, wanted, uh, the, the, their brief said that they wanted the same audio footprint as Outback. And that was that that stuck with me. You know, of course, it said they want to be memorable and catchy and blah, you know, mm-hmm. all, all the briefs say. But uh, as a namer, you have to you have to tune in and, and know what 95 percent to ignore. You know, mm-hmm. it's true, but not differentiating. Right. And so I decided that the outback that the, its most distinctive linguistic feature was that terminating K. And so I you know, looked around for words that, you know, that ended in K. And, I, and uh, so there were, there were quite a few Trek um, names on, on the list. This was a crossover SUV, new to the category back then. But so marrying cross Trek gives it the same syllabic balance as Outback. You can tell they're not necessarily siblings, but they're cousins. Oh, my gosh. This is so amazing. Now you're making me want to be a namer. This is, sounds so fun and creative. It sounds like an incredible job. Yeah. So whenever I, whenever I speak with you know young people or or people that you know other namers, they they always want to say, well, if you ever get to, if you ever run out of names, I'll do you know I'll do it for you. You know. And so I give okay. Here's a pop quiz. Give me ten synonyms for black. Oh man. Do I, do I do it right now? Yeah. Yeah. Try. Dark. Head it out if you don't. If you're not any good. Yeah. Dark. Um, oh gosh. Abyss. Okay, no, that's, that's not a good one. Ebony. Um, Ebony. That's a great one. Oh man, that is a good one. Oh How man. Onyx. Space. Onyx. Did you say Onyx? Onyx. Yeah. How about? Oh jet? man. This is really hard. Yeah. How about Jet? Jet, jet Black. black. Oh, clever. Oh, pitch. Pitch, yeah. That's why I was going with the abyss. I was like trying to think of like, you know, darkness, but Yeah. So the yeah. The, the, the the funniest one I ever heard was because um, I tell them, you know, use similes, you know, you know, as as black as a, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyways, uh, I the, the the neighbor that I was talking to on the phone, I used the I said, Give me ten synonyms for white. Mm-hmm. And and um, the, and he had the funniest answer I've ever got. He said, "Whiter than a Rush concert." Oh man! See, and that's that's a good connection. That's a yeah. 
It's a brilliant but non-obvious connection. Uh, so, uh, so another thing I named was Coursera. You know, that's mm -hmm. a, a MOOC uh, if you're into online learning. And so, oh, yeah. Uh, I love Coursera. I love Coursera. I, I love that you named it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, and I remember I worked with Daphne Kohler and Andrew NG, Andrew Ng, from the computer science department at Stanford. I was introduced to them by John Doerr, uh, for the venture capitalist. Wow. And, and um, so it was a very high-level meeting. We did everything on the phone. It took 11 days. And it was about 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday night after I got all their kids to bed. And, you know, and we're, we're doing our list review session. And, of course, and, and so the, the backstory on Coursera, there was already edX, right? And so I figured that took away the whole ed category, you know. And then there was you to me and, um, and Udacity. So I figured that took the whole university direction away. And then I, then I you know, got, I, I, I got in this vein where I was thinking, you know, no one's going to go, they're not going to go to college online. They might just take one class, right? Or, and that led me to things like curriculum and syllabus and eventually the courses. And so Coursera uh, has a really nice mouthfeel to it. And, yeah. uh, and, and so it, it was an instant winner. And uh, that was like 2013, I think. We, we, we went to GoDaddy and got it for eight ninety nine that night, you know. What an interesting career. I love this. I love that you're a namer. This is like the coolest thing I've ever heard of. And I'm so fascinated by it. But Steve, I do got to ask you, like, we got to switch gears because this is also about parenting, right? Sure, and so right. I, I can I could talk to you about naming probably for the whole the whole show because it is such a like such a unique question to me. It is so cool. It is so cool. But let's try to interweave it a little bit and talk about your kid. So you said you had one girl? Yes. Well, so my, my first child was uh, a boy, Alexander. And, uh, and, and so he's now 35 years old. And, and so I really like being a dad. I was never a better husband than when I was a dad. Nice. And, and to be able to wrestle on the bed after work, you know, and, um, uh, and put him on my shoulders, you know, while I was doing chores outside. I really liked that. And, and, um, and so my wife worked weekends, she was a nurse. And so I got to be, you know, Mr. Mom. And um, I put him in the backpack or in the sling. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, when I would put him, I had a high chair down in, the, in the, my wood shop. And so he got to, uh, whenever I was banging on something with a hammer, I would give him a little hammer, right? And and so we, um, we, we hung out quite a lot. And part of, part of that was um, selfish. My dad died when I was 10. Uh, he was only 38 years old. I thought for sure that I would die when I was 38 years old. And I never knew my, my dad. I, ne yeah, I never had a conversation with him, you know. And so I, just, I decided that I wasn't going to let that happen. And, and so I made a really good connection with you know with, with with my boy when he was like three or four years old and i wanted to go golfing i put mm -hmm. him in his bat batman helmet and a cape and uh, he, he rode in the cart with me eating uh, peanut m m's and and sometimes we would last nine holes sometimes we would last 13 holes right but you, you just got to be flexible as he got older we, we would finish the round and go to the clubhouse and you know um but you know, you, um, I would never, uh, and even now, that's what we do for Father's Day is, you know, um, 
you know, it, it, we, we even rolled a golf cart once. That's a different story, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. But uh, it, it's nice to have a good relationship with your, with your adult kids. And so he's married and uh, lives in um, Long Island now with his wife who works at Google. He works at Shopify. So nice outcome. He went to Georgetown University. She was at Georgetown on a soccer scholarship. And they had both blown out their knees in, uh, in their sport. And so they, they, they kind of connected, you know, on that random thing. It's like they met in May of their senior years, right? So can you imagine they, they were at the same school for four years and they barely even... Crossed um, over, that's right, yeah. yeah. My daughter, exact opposite. Um, she w went to Fordham and then uh, one, of, one of the things she wanted to do when she got to New York was to go to Studio 8H, right? She wanted to see Saturday Night Live. And, and and so it, it turns out you everybody gets in line and then you draw a ticket and your ticket is either good for the early show or the second show mm -hmm. and um, and uh, so sometimes by the time you get there there's only the the first show is the mm -hmm. only one left right but um, so she's done it eight or nine times but this very first time that she went all of the girlfriends that she had just recently met that were planning to go with her they bailed out because it was raining and she did not want to bail out so she went and stood in line and sure enough it started to drizzle and the group in front of her had brought a blue tarp you know like the kind you get from home depot yeah yeah and they opened it up you know because you're right alongside the newspaper stands and the bike yeah, along the wall yeah yeah and so they 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 put the tarp up and uh, and and sam was right behind them getting wet and and so they invited her to sit underneath their tarp with them and uh, it was like, and it, it was a group of like eight uh, teenagers that had come down from Boston. So they weren't even local New Yorkers, right? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the boys was kind of sweet on Sam and they stayed in touch. And then, um, you know, she, he took the bus down later and they went on a, you know, a date, a one-on-one -on -one date. And, and anyway, eight years later, they're getting married now in uh, October. So, oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's really great story. That's incredible. And, and that's the that's what you want for your for your kids is for them to make good choices and and meet good people and and then you know I love Mandy's confession. There's not a lot of parenting going on nowadays. You know, coach doesn't call my number very often, and uh, and and so I try to be ready, but you know they're fully capable of um you know if they got arrested i wouldn't even find out about it unless they told me you know they're they're fully functioning adults and and i think about them every day but you know spoiler alert they don't think about me every day now you're making me want to call my dad so i appreciate that so yeah i, I probably should yeah and then hopefully uh, your kids will see this and they'll start calling you every day as well too that's a really great sentiment and point i i, I like I love that. And so do you, is that, like, how do you qualify success as a parent? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a really hard one. And the, and, and whatever worked for me might not necessarily work for anybody else. And, yeah. and, and I had to figure it out, you know, when, you know, in the, the 1900s, in the early 2000s, ah, what a, what a shit show we have going out here in 2021. And, um, yeah. So, uh, and, and every, Every kid is different, you know. Their children are not fungible, you know. They're not interchangeable, mm -hmm. right? And and so, learn your kid, <laughs> and yeah. 
and 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 learn what 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 responds you know what 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 they respond to and and um, you know for for a, there's so many bad parents out there you know where their 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 first reaction is you know to to swat the you know smack the kid and you yeah. know, if you reach for something they smack the hand and if he back talks they smack the mouth and you know and and when you grow up in the, in the in the south you know that type of behavior is you know it's pervasive and even kind of expected you know and uh, so I was beat as a young person and and I decided I'm I am never going to hit my kids, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I can, I, if I can't make my point, you know, verbally, I mean, I'm six, I'm, I'm six foot three and I weigh 280 pounds, right? I mean, it's, that's not fair. <laughs> and so, uh, I, and, and that, you know, the, the most I ever did was I would flick them, you know, with one finger, I would, I would flick them. And, and that was only as a last resort, right? And, and that got their attention. And, um, and so, um, it, it, you know, you're, you're, the temptation is that you want your kids to to be like you and do the things that you know, um, you know that, that that you were good at, and uh, you might have to let go of that. And so, um, you know, taking a genuine interest in what the kid wants to do, you know, that's that that's really important. And I think you got to keep throwing stuff at them. You know, if 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 they don't like team sports like basketball and and soccer. Then you know, try karate, right? Mm -hmm. or gymnastics, right? And um, um, some kids like to take stuff apart, right? And so, you know, go to the thrift store and buy an old, you know, electric mixer for two dollars, and bring it home on the kitchen table and take that fucker apart. Yeah. <laughs> and and use a real screwdriver and see where the wires are and stuff like that. You know. Yeah. And um, and you can make it age appropriate. A five year old, you should probably keep it unplugged the entire time. But boy, if you've got a ten year old, you know, get the voltage meter out there and show them where the hot wire is and where the current yeah. is. And and so I I did all of that. And and I did the tea parties on the floor, you know, with my daughter. And and um, so uh, I and you you can't replace that. But you but by the time they're you know you're a, they're a teenager. Oh, you either have a relationship with them or you or you don't, right? And and uh, I think it's like, it's kind of like a bank account. It, it, it's the trust deposit. You have to keep making deposits if you expect to make any withdrawals, right? And and so what is the what 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 is the 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 the, the, the trust account? You know what what is that made of? Well, it basically it's 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 your fairness, right? And it's your appropriateness as a parent. And as the parent, you quickly realize you're the you're the dictator. You can make them eat whatever you want them to eat. You can make them go to bed anytime you want them to go to bed, right? And and so, you know, making that same you know like it's a like it, like like the routine is beneficial to them while also being convenient to you. That's a you know that's a real. Uh, uh, that's a real balancing act, especially when you have demands on your time, right? And so, my, my big advice I would have for for parents of young children is don't waste nap time. <laughs> and and uh, you know, kids need um, they need exercise and play time for the stimulation, but they also need nap time to process that, right? And to yeah. Re, re, restore themselves for the next for the next round and so when you get your when you you know get, get them on a schedule like you know take them to the park in the morning and then 
You know, when they're young, they might sleep like from 10 to 11.30. And then you give them lunch and, you know, have some sort of activity. Then they might sleep from 2 to 4 o'clock, right? You know, because, and, and, and then you, get, you know, got to put them to bed, you know, around, you know, 8 or 9 o'clock. So kids need a lot of sleep. Yeah. If, if you get them down for a nap and then you start unstacking the dishwasher, oh, you've already screwed up. If they if they go down for the nap and then you go fold some laundry, uh, you're you're already wasting your nap. What? what are you talking about? What do you mean? By, what do you want them to do? No, they should go to they 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 should go take their nap. But then the parent should instantly set on that other thing. This is the work life balance, right? If you and and I and I wrote my I wrote five a total of five books, but I wrote my first two children's books during nap time. And, no and, way! You wrote yeah. children's books? I I got a lot of Steves up here. Oh know. my gosh, Steve! This is so fun. You're a very creative man. Yeah, my 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 my, my company is called Manufacturers of Fine Ideas, oh, and MFI. And so naming is just the verbal part of it. But in you know there was a time when I made um, I drew these mazes, and the the maze the line you make to solve the maze would draw a picture of something. So I could I could make a maze that just looks like a like a regular maze, but when you when you solve the maze, mm-hmm. it is clearly a picture of a cat. Yeah. So I I sent a bunch of these to a publisher and um and uh ended up doing uh, eventually got a contract. I got a royalty even from uh, from Scholastic. You know, oh. it was sold in the in the uh, book fair. Right, and uh, so I had to self-publish the very first book, but um, I used that as a sample to to um, send to the to the other publishers. So, anyways, the, my kids were my testers, right? And, and they were the age where, um, you know, my oldest son, you know, if, I, if he would say, you know, Dad, this maze is too hard or this maze is too easy, right? And um, because when you have two kids that are seven years apart, there's a three-year-old and a ten-year-old. Mm-hmm. See, that's two different audiences right there, right? Totally. Well, and and so um, b- being able to entertain them both, right, and and also provide the you know proper kind of stimulation, you know, for both. That's great. If you have a what do you say, a two year old and a four year old? I did, uh, yeah. Yeah. See, that's pretty much the same age, especially when yeah, they're yeah. six and eight years old, right? Oh yeah, it's already like really nice because you know you can actually have commonalities, right? You can like play the same game, you can play the same puzzle, you can play the same activity, uh, yep. which is really nice. I'm actually really curious about. Um, you said you were like playing Mr. Mom uh, during um, uh, the the earlier days when your wife worked um, on the weekends, but what time and age frame was that? I mean, did you always have the naming job, or were you like what what was that polarity between like working and 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 being a parent? Because yeah. it sounds like you were very very involved. I was, and you know, full disclosure, I didn't blossom as a namer until my, after my divorce, and so. Um, and, and I was divorced in 2008, so I had only done probably two or three hundred name jobs by then, and and um, maybe, maybe had booked a million dollars worth of business. You know, I'm at 840 name jobs now, and multiple millions of dollars as a namer. So, 
um, that didn't happen until afterwards. I was still, I, I was a rep firm for, for a lot of my career. You know, I sold, I sold space in a regional business magazine and then I got recruited to sell ads in Time magazine. And I realized that, and this was even before the internet, I realized that cable TV was going to put magazines out of business. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and so I, I tried to reinvent myself. And so I, I, instead of calling on ad agencies, I began to rep ad agencies. And I became the, you know, the point person, the new business guy mm-hmm. for, for, for that. And so I was able to, to do that, some of that from home. I've always had a home office. And, and so um, also in the advertising business, but perhaps you know this, if the agency loses the account, you lose your job, right? Yeah. And so my ex had a had very solid employment at uh, Stanford Hospital, and, and I was able to do contract work and, and, and move around, you know, trying to stay you know, at the hot agency, right? And, and in the early 80s and, 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 um, and the early 90s, oh, you know, the, we, Silicon Valley was shitting kittens, right? Yeah. It, it, things were jumping, and um, and so that was that was good to, it, it, uh, experience. But I would not want to go back then, uh, back there, and, and do it then. The naming business was was uh, not very mature at the time, yeah. and it, it but but it it, it came it, it became popular at, at a really good time for me. If it had happened a little bit later, I'd have been too old to do it. I was a forty. I was a forty-year-old account executive sitting in a room with a bunch of twenty-somethings, all with headsets, making a hundred cold calls a day. You yeah. know, that that was the naming agency that I that I worked at, and I was the only one that made the calls, and I was the only one that got the sits. And uh, so um, I remember uh, w- uh, one of my clients was Nike, and, uh, and and the names that my agency had come up with were all stupid. So I, I put the name, uh, I, I put some names on the list and they ended up going with that, with that one. Can you and share what name? It was the Corsair. That was what Tiger Woods wore in, uh, in 1999, 1998. Wait, Corsair, wait, which one for Nike? They were trying to use Air because they have Air Max and Air yeah. Jordan. They were trying to use Air as a prefix and mm-hmm. that made it too powerful, too too quick, too athletic. Golf is smooth and right, and, mm-hmm. and so I put the air as a, the as a suffix, and because it's played on the golf course, it became the course air. Corsair. Oh, that's awesome! I, I for some reason I was like hearing Corsair, and I'm like, oh, are we still talking about the same thing? But Corsair is the Nike one. That's awesome. See, the, and those two name jobs were tw- were. 15 years apart, 16 years wow. apart. Wow. You know, that's the kind of a, a, a the, the namer's brain just sifts through, you know, grains of sand, right? Steve, I have to ask, how did you come up with the names for your kids? Well, so uh, I really liked Alexander the Great, and I knew he was going to be great, so that was really hard for me to lay off. I also liked to have a name that I could scream, right? And I also, yeah. you know, like on the playground. And uh, I also liked to have a name that I could reduce to one syllable. And, and so uh, Lex was what, what his pet name was. And so for my daughter, I really liked the idea of having an androgynous name so that when someone saw it, they weren't 100% well, you know, whether, uh, what, what the gender would be, right? And, 
So the other day I, I, I met or I read about somebody whose name, whose first name was January. And I, I had no idea whether that was a man or a woman, right? Yeah. But, but so Samantha can be abbreviated to Sam. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I ask on, on my workshops during the introductions, I ask everybody, have you named anything? And some people say, no, I haven't named anything. I said, don't you, didn't you name your kids or whatever? And they're like, oh, yeah, my kids are Carl and Carol. And I point out, oh, see, that's a nomenclature architecture right there. Those two names go together, right? Yeah, totally. And someone else will say, yeah, my kids are David and Michael. And it's like, both of those are biblical names, right? And yeah. so I try to show them that those types of patterns are extant in the world. I, I was a creative copywriter before, and I read a, an article about short stories and how to create characters. Mm-hmm. And the rule of thumb, which is so fascinating. If you want to come up with a name that sounds like a, a really believable uh, name for a, a, a man, give him one, a one-syllable first name and a two-syllable last name. Like, like Dick Tracy. Dan oh, Rack. my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. That's these, are the little, these, are, these are the tricks. These are the, these are the psychological things that you need to know. E-40, right? Oh, He's a wow. rapper. Right? I know, right, Forty. <laughs> so that's the form factor. If you're trying so to, funny. If you're trying to come up with a male name that's got cred to it. For females, it's the exact opposite. It's a two-syllable first name and a one-syllable last name. Oh, like no way. Nancy Drew. Right? Lady Di. Anyways, that's, that's oh. just... If you want to come up with a character that you're trying to signal that she's really distinct, right, then give her a name like Hermione. Right, and that doesn't fit the form factor at all. So you know yeah. she's not going to be uh, a stick figure character, right? Yeah. So you know, translating that to you know to, to naming, most people can't come up with their own set of of, uh, of alchemist rules for how to you know how to do naming. And what you find as a namer is that the dictionary only takes you so far, right? Yeah. All the all the words are taken. You almost always have to combine a new word, or what I do is just is make up a new word. And um, so I have a theory that the further deep in your mouth the, the sound originates and the further back on, the, on your tongue the sound, the bigger the thing is. Like Google, right? It's, yeah. it's so that, that glottal stop signals enormity. And the opposite is true. The further out in the tip of your tongue and the higher in the roof of your mouth the sound originates, the closer to your lips, the more precise the thing is. Say, say the word precise. See how all that mouthfeel is in the front. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is the coolest thing ever. Steve, this is so fun. I'm like, I'm like so enamored by your job. Uh, I can't even focus right now. But so when you named your kid, you did it based on um, the fact that you, you had a thing, you had, you wanted him to be great, like Alexander, right? So you got Alexander. And then for Samantha, you wanted her to have an androgynous name. So she didn't have any kind of, um, restrictions when it came to like uh, her name and her abilities so you gave her sam yes that's so that's so that's so like it's a good reason but it seems so logical for how creative you are and they both of those names worked out you know sometimes yeah, totally. kids change their names or whatever my, yeah. uh, so um my youngest sibling her name is d d-e-e and i heard her introduce herself one time and she just cracked me up she's a mountain climber she she leads the uh, knolls national outdoor leadership school wow. anyways she got up and introduced herself she says hi my name is d i'm the fourth of, of four children my brothers and sisters names are a b and c nice <laughs> clever so she made a joke and a pun out of her name i love it yeah. i do something similar with my name too i mean 
because my name is uh, is young, and so it's really easy for me to like make jokes about it, or people will obviously suggest jokes with it uh, almost immediately, and it's it's very very fun to have a um, a name like that that you can make a joke with because it's a, a really great way to build rapport and relationship very quickly. Yes. So I'm dyslexic, and when I see words, my brain rearranges them into into other words. And so I just recently had some dental work done. I'm, I'm not quite finished with yet, but yeah. My as I'm walking as I'm walking past my dentist sign outside of his office, it says Doctor Lipsom, L-I-P-S-O-N, and I realized, huh, that's an anagram of slip-on. <laughs> nice. And so I mentioned that to him, and he cracked up laughing and showed me he was wearing slip-ons. Oh and, my gosh! And, and he's 55 years old, and never knew that about himself, you know. Yeah. But, but, you know, being dyslexic, that, that, I'm glad nobody ever cured me of that, right? And, 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 but it, it, it plays into how I, how I did transition to become a, a, a namer. I, I, I used to do, you know, um, I'm very good at Scrabble, so I played Scrabble with my kids. And my bet you are really good at Scrabble. I can't even imagine playing against you. Yeah. That sounds so amazing. I would let my son double hit the, the, the score of whatever word he wrote, and I would let my daughter triple it. And she could quadruple it if it was more than four letters. I had to eventually change that to five letters. But um, that way I could handicap them, right? But also teach them the full width and breadth of my, of my vocabulary. And, I, and I'm a firm believer that reading unlocks a lot of doors. And the better a reader you are, the better writer you are. And being able to express yourself is very valuable in business, but it also is good for your mental health. And so we would always play word games in the car. And, um, and, and so I, I saw Camry in front of me, and I thought to myself, huh, Camry, that's an anagram of Marcy. I wonder if her name is Marcy. Soon as I formulated that thought, Young, I realized it, crap, it's also an anagram of my car. Right? If yeah, it is. Letters of, uh, yeah. So I almost ran into Marcy in her Camry. That's and this amazing. was before. This was before the internet, so I had to go to the business library where I knew the librarian, and she recommended a couple of publications that I had to check them out, you know, and and um, and it, it it turns out it comes from kanmurai, which is the Japanese word for crown, and that goes with Corolla and Corona and all the rest of it. But see, I was hooked. That's that's the name of my company is Wear Words. And, and I have always been fascinated with where the words come from. Mm -hmm. You know, like you've probably got Nabisco in your pantry right now. Yeah. It's, it's possible to like the name Nabisco and never put it together that it's a contraction of National Biscuit Company. No way. That's awesome. <laughs> right? I never knew that. That's really great. That's, that's it. That's the origin. Yes. And so I, I tell those stories in my workshops just to demonstrate that the best names are not always sensible and logical. And I love I, that. That's great. Yeah. And, and so when I told that Nabisco story to a company, the, the, um, the, 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 the genius coder, I'll call him, he looks at me with over the top of his glasses with just his eyes, and he says, we do root cause analysis. What would you call us? And I blurt named the company Rokana. And you can totally hear root cause analysis in Rokana. And, 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 that, and that, that, that turned out to be the company name. And, oh, uh, my God. <laughs> That's a 
amazing. That is so fun. So what do your kids think about you being a namer? So if, if it's like a second coming in your professional career here uh, and you kind of found your groove like later on, um, what do they think about it? Yeah, they're over it. You know, that, that, yeah, my, my, my dad's a namer, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, and they've kind of come to accept it. And, um, but, you know, true, truly, they've each hired me professionally. They, they, they've each been at companies that had a naming problem and, and have hired me. And, and, and uh, so there, there's that kind of, um, you know, I love it when worlds collide, right? That's but amazing. I, I, I like to also think that, that they, saw, they see me taking chances. You know, it's, you know, it's not like I bought a million dollars worth of lumber and then I resold it for a million and a half. And that's how yeah, I yeah. made my money. No, I just, I'm in nylon basketball shorts and a Hawaiian shirt, right? And, and all I do is just think of stuff, right? Yeah. And and uh, and they know that I would sit and play Scrabble all day, anyways, for free. Yeah, yeah. So for me to be able to monetize this really quirky uh, ability, um, you know, I think that that gives them confidence to go out and and yeah, uh, that's a good point. That's a good point because it's like leading by example, right? It's like if if someone can like have a lucrative career doing what they love and they're passionate about. It definitely opens up a lot of different doors, or at least breaks down a lot of ceilings, right? Like the constraints are there are, are much more um, 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 lighter, very very lighter, right? And so, in my business, there's no market for B plus work. You it, you've got to have A plus work, otherwise it, it, there's no market for it, right? Yeah, and and so. Um, there's no such thing as good enough. It, as a namer, it's not enough to be creative. I have to be original, right? I have to keep thinking of new ways to do it because confusingly similar is the reason why most trademarks get rejected, right? Yeah. So uh, I, my kids have heard all all my advice, but big but the big piece of advice is outcomes are important, but we can't manage outcomes, right? All we can do is manage the process to achieve the outcome. Oh gosh, that's brilliant. So, so if you're, not, if you're not getting the outcomes that, that you want, if you're not meeting your goals, then go back and look at your process, right? And, and uh, most bosses, you probably have experienced this, most, process, most bosses, they, they obsess on the goal, right? And, and, and they continually point out that you're you know, not meeting the goal or whatever. And... And instead of asking why, right? And so, for, as a parenting stand, you know, standpoint, um, your kids are—they're going to do some of the things you want them to do, but they're not going to do some of the things you, you know, that you, you know, like p- picking up their toys. Yeah. You know, at, at a certain point, you, you you decide that they can help put the toys back in the toy box, right? Right. 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 At, at first, you do it all, right? And then later, they help you. But then it comes a day when you when you say, "Okay, I need for you to put all these toys back in the toy box, right?" And and maybe they do it, and maybe they don't. I say, but um, that's a goal, that's an outcome, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, if they don't do it, rather than scold them or hit them or whatever, ask them, "Why why didn't you put this one in?" And they might say, "Oh, I didn't see that one." Right, mm-hmm. or they might say, "Well, it's too heavy," or, or, 
I, I couldn't reach it, right? It's almost like parenting has taught you how to like be a namer. Well, and I am a lifelong learner. I, I'm, I don't do anything half-assed. I'm always all in. And wow. I can't wait to be a grandpa, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Couple, that's so cool. A couple of years ago, I decided I saw some kid on the Next Door app. Do you remember that? Oh the, yeah, the Next Door app. He was selling his Lego collection because he had broken his iPhone, and his parents were making him pay for half of the new one. I instantly loved his parents, right? Because people don't respect what they don't pay for. So they gave this this 13-year-old an iPhone, and he promptly broke it. And they weren't going to buy him another one. They were going to make him pay for half of the new phone. I just And he was going to fund his half of it by selling some of his boyhood toys. And and so when I met him, his dad came by, it, it drove him over, and, and he, he brought him in. I could tell that it was a it was a big decision for him, you know, and and I was, it, it was like three tubs of uh, you know the the twelve quart flop uh, lid, uh, and he wanted like one hundred and twenty dollars for them or whatever, and uh, and I I paid him you know in twenty dollar bills right. So anyways, I have about ten tubs of Legos right now. I, I finally get a grandkid to come to the house. We're going to build a, the biggest Lego castle you ever saw. Yeah, that was just to support the idea of parenting and, and, the, and the process. And I, I like the idea of giving back, you know, and donating. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you give money to an organization and you don't even know what happens to it, right? And yeah. so, um, so I have always bought the, the, an ad in the program for the local high school fall sports kind of thing yeah and and i don't even know if they even print them or if they pass them out in the stands i've never gotten a call from it or anything yeah you just do it yeah yeah, i just do it and and so one time i got a call from from somebody i said where's where's i think her name was helen or some whatever my my normal rep and and she goes oh we're not we're not actually in your neighborhood i'm in phoenix arizona this is just a call list and it's like i'm not even supporting my school by buying an ad in this and so that's when i decided that's when i decided that i would i would pass out socks to homeless people on on new year's eve Mm -hmm. right and and um, sometimes i would slip a half pint of Jack Daniels inside. The- <laughs> That's what I hope somebody would do for me if I was. You're in- like you're like a you're like a walking bohemian. Like the more the more you talk, the more I'm like, wow. You just like you just have a lot of things that are con- like like going through your mind and in your life and your day. It sounds like you're constantly on the move and things are just changing and rapidly moving around. It's awesome. And that's the key to happiness, Jung. You look around. Most people are not very happy right now. And- and I, I've thought about this because I know I'm blessed. I get to do as much or as little as I want of the thing that I'm best at, right? Happiness comes when you can align your activities with your values. It's, it sounds so simple, but it's not easy at all. And the biggest problem is that a lot of people have not taken the time to articulate what their values are. And of those of us that have prioritized our values, Oh, we oftentimes spend our days doing something that has nothing to do with. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say the vast majority is that that way, and and I think that um, you just hit something on the head, and it's like so important to teach our teach my kids, right? Like, 
being really grounded and centered in what you want and, and being able to like merge those twos is a really good way of qualifying success. Uh, do you, would you say that that's like how you qualify success in business? At some level you have to be, you have to be solving a client's problem, right? Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, like Einstein said, you know, just stating the problem is, you know, it's like half of solving it, but it's, but later on that, you know, it's like, you can't solve, you can't solve the problem at the level that the problem exists. Right. And that's, that, that, that's a, that's a key part of, of uh, satisfying the, you know, the client and also being, being a parent, you've got to get above the level of what you make and do. Right. And and so like if 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 your four year old is um, is is um, hitting the two year old, right? You could just make her stop, right? Mm-hmm. But teaching her why that's a that's not a, 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 the right thing to do, that's that's what the real lesson is here. Yeah. And and so if you're always a bully to them by you know taking things away from them with no explanation, that that's what you're teaching them to do, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so sometimes clients come to me with unrealistic expectations, and maybe you've discovered this. It's difficult to disabuse people of their misinformation, mm-hmm. right? It, Will Rogers says, it ain't what you don't know that causes all the problems. It's what you know that ain't so. <laughs> right? Clever. Yeah, so, I like that. And so with clients, I have to quickly establish my street cred. Right. And, and so I, it, it helps to have a big, thick portfolio. But I, I also try to let them know, you know, unless you just got $40 million worth of Google Ventures money, I'm probably not going to put prism.com on your list. Right. Because that, that's it's not realistic. It's not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so I try to I try to let them know, you know, what the outcome is going to be. I, yeah. My kids have heard me say over and over, I just love it when a plan comes together, right? And, yeah. and so my my plan, uh, I, I, I need to get repeatable results as a namer, right? And everybody's name job is different. I just named a, 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 a women's health thing for air. Uh, I, I'm naming a GPS app now. Uh, I named a skincare thing recently you know just to go from all those and i so i get to be an instant expert on some new topic every week and and rather than let that you know overwhelm me oh i embrace that i'm one of those lifelong learners that has to intellectualize about everything right yeah that's awesome (laughs) no i think it's great i think that that's what's led you to having really uh, two really successful kids and it sounds like they're doing really well and um i i think there's a lot to glean from that that level of thinking and the way that you're philosophically uh tackling life both personally as a parent and um also professionally i mean it's working out for you really really well well and i'm not i'm not afraid to fail in baseball if you fail seven out of ten times you're going to cooperstown baby (laughs) <laughs> That's right. That's actually good, right? That's exactly it. Hey, so I actually um want to make sure that I squeeze in the the like the rapid fire questions. I have four questions I like to ask every guest uh, just to make sure there's some symmetry to the interviews. So I'm going to fire those off for you, okay, before we wrap up here. Sure. What advice do you have for other parents and soon to be parents? Well, this might be a bit of a downer, but if if you're going through a rough patch with your spouse, 
Right. Well, um, maybe you're talking about divorce or, um, you know, maybe even you, you got divorced. Resist the temptation to demonizing your, the other person, right? Yeah. And, and don't compete for their attention or their affection, right? And, and um, you know, explain it to them in, in, in a way that they can, that they can understand. And, um, and, and anyways, that's, if that's too much of a downer, you know, the more functional no. advice is uh, whenever they do something wrong, let them in, let them back in. You know, sh- redemption is very important. You know, sh- show them the, the, the path to, to atone for that awful thing they did, right? Yeah. Don't just scold them and don't keep them on time out, you know, because. Yeah, that's great. Because their self-talk is brutal. Both answers are awesome. I think those are both really sound advice. Um, if you can go back and tell yourself one thing before having kids, what would it be? Nothing will ever be the same again. Right? That Buckle up. Yeah. Buckle up, buttercup. Things are yeah, that's right. bumpy. And Very good. It, it might be decades before you get the right amount of sleep again. Right? It's <laughs> a good one, yeah. So what is the most surprising thing that you learned about yourself after you became a parent? Where does the love come from? And, and I remember thinking, oh, is it, am I gonna, am I gonna have to to take the love, you know, that I was giving my spouse in order to make love, you know, give the, you know, this new love to my my kid? And no, it's like it's like this is all new love that you get. And I, I was un, I was unprepared for 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 that epiphany. Yeah. Yeah, the volume of love you can give. Yeah, it's it's really extraordinary. It is. And then to close us out, Steve, what is all? What is your all-time favorite business book? Well, it's got to be David Ocker. He, he wrote two stro- two books. One's called Building Strong Brands, and the other is called Managing Brand Equity. And these were these were in the mid '90s. He was professor emeritus at uh, at Cal, and um, and that, and I, I I've I've, refre- I've referenced those books more than more 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 than anything. The nice. The, the best advice I ever got, though. Was was that your your brain is a zero sum game, mm-hmm. right? All you've got is a hundred percent of what you've got. You know, you might have more than me. I might have more than you. But all all all, all we all each of us has is is a hundred percent of of whatever amount we've we've got. And and in order to compete at a really high level, and that's what all the business books try you know try to focus on is how you get those elite results. In order to compete at a high level and produce at a high level, you need a hundred percent of your brain. And that's what's wrong with multitasking, because you just do two things crappily, right? So the problem, and this is this is really relevant to the to the the, the, the parenting challenge, is like how do you how do you give how do you be all in for, for the business that you're trying to accomplish that day, but still be present as a parent, right? And and yeah, I I think that the the problem that people get into is that they they got a, a ten, they got a problem that's taken up like ten percent of their brain. You know, uh, maybe they're mad at their spouse or their kid is sick or whatever. And just tempting to think, well, I still got 90% of my brain left, right? No, in actuality, it takes about another 10%, maybe a little bit more, to, to put it on top of it like noise canceling, just so that you can function, right? And get that, you know. But see, now you're at the 75% level. That might not be enough to clear the fences, right? Well, yeah. it, it even gets worse for what if you have two problems, right? Yeah. So that's it, really, really, really deep. Yeah. Yeah. So very cool. 
So focusing on the on on the the, the dominant variable, I think most people they get too dilute. They uh, they, um, they you know they try to be too much of a generalist, right? Yeah. And and I, I think that you know be the best left-handed violinist that you can be, right? D- don't 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 just bill yourself as a you know as a, a, a an orchestra member, right? Yeah. Own that quirk, right? And. And, and I think that, that that's what that's the best example that I ever gave for my kids is that whatever I was doing, I, I, I was not afraid to fail in front of them, but I was doing it the best that I could. And and uh, and they and they they saw me get away with with uh, with failing a lot, simply yeah. because you know I, I, I had some integrity about it. But anyways, that's very it. good. Steve, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. This was a wonderful um, conversation to have, and what a what a joy to get to know you better and and uh, learn more about your profession and a whole industry that I didn't know about. And then also just the parallels of uh, your profession and and your parenting. It seems like you mix the two really, really well. Thanks very much. It, it it's been on my mind a lot because I'm I'm walking my daughter down the aisle, and you know that it's like Andy Cunningham said. It's like having kids is like baking a very long cake. Right, yeah. you don't really hear, you don't really know how you did until you know the the, the fullness of time. So I've been reflecting on that, and I enjoyed uh, reflecting on it with you too today. Huh? Oh, thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, thanks. Take care. Hats off. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Girl Dad Show. We hope you enjoyed that interview. If you want to subscribe to our email list and learn more, you can head over to thegirldadshow.com. Thank you, and see you next time.